Today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. It didn't matter if Paul had plenty or was in need. It didn't matter if he was well fed or hungry because he was satisfied in the Lord. He was satisfied with the Lord, not in his circumstances, not in his situation. The situation he's in can be very unsatisfying, very frustrating, but that's not the basis upon which contentment is built. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Philippians. Does your contentment depend upon your circumstances? Why is it that we're so discontent with what we have? Whether you're unsatisfied at your job, with your home, or in your marriage, listen to today's message with Pastor J.D. as he teaches many truths from the scriptures about how to find contentment. Now be sure to stay with us after today's message. To hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast, subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now here's Pastor J.D. in Philippians chapter 4 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. The Apostle Paul is writing to the church there in Philippi, a church that he planted some 10 years prior to this letter. He writes by the Spirit, verse 10, I rejoiced greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I am not saying this, verse 11, because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. And then verse 13, well known to many, I can do all this through Christ, as some of your translations render it, who strengthens me. So I want to talk to you today about contentment, and specifically as it relates to learning, keyword, the secret to contentment. Interesting, you don't have to learn to be discontent comes quite naturally, thank you very much. However, you do need to learn to be content. To me, this is one of the biggest issues that we face as Christians, especially for those of us who live here in the United States. I would venture to say, and I would think that you would agree with me when I say this, but Americans are among the most discontent people in the world. And yet Americans are amongst the most prosperous people in the world. Yet how is it that we as Americans 
are so discontent with what we have. We're discontent with our jobs. Sadly, discontent in our marriages. And dare I say, we're even discontent with our churches. And I believe the reason is, is that the grass always looks greener on the other side of the fence, as it were. And this is what the enemy does, by the way, in our lives. He always gets us to look at the grass on the other side. I think of television commercials. You have to know that there's a reason why the advertisers will spend jillions of dollars for 30 seconds on the television. It's because it's very, very effective. Effective in getting us to become discontent with what we have, so much so that we'll buy what they're advertising. I think about car commercials, and you'll forgive me as a car guy, I pay particular attention and take notice of these car commercials. They're really quite well done, you know. I mean, they get this man, this handsome man, this very beautiful and attractive woman. I mean, I've never seen such beautiful people in all of my life. And I've never seen such happier people in all of my life. I mean, they are so happy. Why are they so happy? Because they have that new car that you don't have. Which may be why it is that you're not happy like they are. And if you would just but buy this car, you too would have this smile on your face. This happiness in your heart. And this debt in your garage. That's how it works. I mean, you go, you go out into the driveway and you look at your, your bus up car <laughs> and you think to yourself, I need a new car. No, you don't. Why are you not content with the car that you have? You know, many years ago, before I got into the ministry, I had a business whereby I helped people negotiate the price on their car. It was a buying service so they wouldn't get ripped off. I would try to, you know, save them money. And I even used to teach these seminars titled, How Not to Buy a Car. Ten things you don't do when you go to buy a car. And I had somebody afterwards in the question and answer session afterwards say and ask me, how much, what's the most you've saved somebody on a car? To which I said, well, $25,000. What? <laughs> Was it a luxury car? No. By the time I got through with them, they didn't buy the car. <laughs> I saved $25,000. Sometimes the best deal on a car is the car we already have. It reminds me of a story I heard about a farmer who became disenchanted with his farm. And so he decided to call the realtor and put it on the market and, you know, draw up a listing and 
sell the property. So after he had done that, he started thinking, well, maybe I need to start looking for a new farm after I sell this one. So he starts looking through the listings, and he comes upon, I mean, the perfect farm. He's reading down this listing going, oh, my goodness. This is exactly what I want. This is what I've been looking for, only to realize it was his listing. (laughs) There's nothing new under the sun. Many have bought into the lie of the enemy that started in the garden with the serpent. Was not that all about getting Eve to become discontent with all that God had given them? I mean, think about it. They're in the Garden of Eden. Perfection. And God says, you can eat of the trees, of all the trees, except this one. We have no idea, and we'll have to wait till eternity future to ever know what that Garden of Eden looked like. And here comes the serpent, and he's sowing the seed of discontent in the heart of Eve, and tells her, oh, I see that you can eat of all of the trees in the garden except this one. What is it about us, right? So, you walk by this storefront window and it's all covered with paper and there's a puka, a hole, for the benefit of our online church, that's a puka, a hole. (laughs) Sorry. And then there's a writing above the puka that says, do not look in this hole. You can look all around everywhere else, but do not look in this one hole. It's lined up around the block for miles, people waiting to look at, why not? Why not? One so aptly said it this way. Oftentimes, the source of our discontent is thinking and believing that our greeds are really our needs. And is this not what the enemy is all about? He tries to get us to want more. Enter today's text, where the Apostle Paul, true to form, rises from the pages of our Bibles to show us how it is that we as Christians can actually learn, learn, to live content lives, regardless of the circumstances in which we may find ourselves, whether in plenty or in want. The first secret to learning contentment is in verse 10, and it's to be thankful. To be thankful. 
I would submit that the most discontent people are the most ungrateful people. I'm thinking of our kids when I say that. <laughs> no, seriously. I, this generation, I probably shouldn't have gone in this direction, but indulge me for just a moment. <laughs> what a thankless, ungrateful, spoiled bunch of kids we have in this generation. So entitled. I mean, my goodness. And of course, as parents, we're so quick to remind them of what it was like in our day. <laughs> you know, back in the day. You know, back in our day, we actually had to stick our finger in this plastic rotary dial and dial the phone. We have things called telephone booths. You know what those are? <laughs> of course you don't. Anyway, I digress. Here in verse 10, the Apostle Paul is expressing his profound gratitude for their financial support while he was imprisoned in Rome. He's referring to Epaphroditus, who traveled, some believe, over 800 miles to get to him, to bring to him provision financial care, a care package of some kind. Because you have to understand, in that day, when you were in prison, you were left there to die. You were not even fed. They would not even provide you with food. That had to be provided by family and friends. Otherwise, you wouldn't survive. They didn't care. There were no gyms. There were no anything. You were just sent to prison to die. And so here the church in Philippi was a great blessing to the Apostle Paul, and he was so grateful for what they had done, for the help that they had given him. He even sort of mentions to them that he knows that there was a time where they wanted to give, they wanted to help him, but they couldn't for whatever reason. We're not told. But he knew their heart, and he was very grateful to them, very thankful to them. You know, sometimes, and you'll forgive me for the bluntness with which I say this, but we need to be thankful that we even have a car to drive. It may not be as shiny as the new car your neighbor just bought. We need to be grateful and content with the iPhone that is like four versions old already. Now, I have to confess that when they came out with the, the 10, I'm like, wow, I think I want that. <laughs> and, and the Lord's like, you got a phone. Yeah, but look at that. And then the X, I, I think that's different than the 10 or the X or maybe they're this, I don't know. Anyway, I didn't buy one, obviously, yeah. I already have a phone. I drive a nine-year-old car that's on its third engine, by the way, and I'm content. I'm just grateful and thankful that I have a car that gets me from point A to point B. Yeah, it rattles and hiccups and burps and skips and whatever. But 
I'm just grateful for that car. Let me uh, bring it closer to home as a pastor. I'm grateful for this church. I am so thankful for this church that I am so privileged to pastor. I don't look at the church down the street or in some other part of the island that's bigger than my church. Oh, they have three services. Oh, how about this? Some people left your church. They're going to that church now. Hmm. How about this pastor? Look what he's doing. Wow. Oh, and make no mistake about it, the enemy's right there. He's uh, popping the popcorn and playing the video and going back and forth. Look at the look at this guy. Look at how green the grass is at his church. Wow, it is, yeah. Wait a minute. Look at my church. Are you kidding me? Let me say it this way to continue with the car metaphor. (laughs) Being thankful is the fuel in the gas tank of contentment. Being thankful is the fuel in the gas tank of contentment. Here's the second one. It's in verses 11 and 12. It's to be satisfied. What Paul is saying here is, that he's learned the secret of being satisfied regardless of his circumstances. In other words, he's saying, Lord, I am satisfied with the provision that you've given me. I'm satisfied with the circumstances I'm in. I want for nothing. And that's the secret. It didn't matter if Paul had plenty or was in need. It didn't matter if he was well fed or hungry because he was satisfied in the Lord. He was satisfied with the Lord, not in his circumstances, not in his situation. The situation he's in can be very unsatisfying, very frustrating, but that's not the basis upon which contentment is built. My contentment is in the Lord, and as we're going to see here in a moment, my strength is in the Lord. That's where I get my strength. That's where I get my satisfaction. That's where I get my contentment, and that's where I get my attitude of gratitude. This was Paul's secret to being content. He was satisfied in the Lord, no matter what the Lord was doing in his life, how difficult the circumstances were in his life. Keep in mind, and I think it's easy to forget, he sits in a prison when he writes this epistle. And he, sitting there in that prison, so grateful for the provision from the church in Philippi, He's telling them that he's learned the secret to be content no matter what. He sits content in that prison. 
How is that possible? I mean, if it's me and I'm writing a letter and I'm sitting in prison somewhere, it's going to read nothing like Philippians. Just saying. You know what my letter's going to read? You need to pray and fast that I get released from this prison. <laughs> Not Paul. Paul was content. Paul was satisfied. He was satiated by the one who he knew could only satisfy. It didn't matter where he was at, the situation he was in. This is why he could write to Timothy in his first epistle, chapter 6, verses 6 through 10, I'll read. Now godliness with contentment is great gain. Did you see the packaging together of godliness with contentment? That's great gain. And he explains why and how that is. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. Boy, is that true. But sometimes I don't think we believe it. Once when a rich man died at his memorial service, the question was asked, how much did he leave? To which the answer came, All of it. You cannot take anything with you. You can send it ahead, but that's another sermon for another time. But you can't take it with you. Jesus said that our lives do not consist of the abundance of that which we possess. That's not great gain. What shall a profit a man or a woman if they should gain the entire world and lose their own soul? There is coming a day, and I believe soon and very soon, by way of the rapture, where (laughs) we're going to take our last breath in this fallen, dark world, and we're going to take our first breath in eternity. And I think it's a much-needed perspective when we remember that we came into this world with nothing. And so, too, will we leave this world with nothing. Be content. Godliness with contentment is great gain. He goes on and says, verse 8, And having food and clothing, with these we shall be content. No, we're not content. Thanks for tuning in today to In Spirit and Truth. Join us next time to continue studying the Apostle Paul's letter to the church in Philippi, along with Pastor J.D. You'll learn how modeling your life after Jesus will change how you interact with people around you and why it's important to show the world the love and grace of Christ. As His light shines through you, people will begin to wonder why, and it just might lead to conversations that can change a life forever. If you'd like to hear more messages from Pastor J.D. Farag, you'll be able to find them on our website at inspiritandtruthradio.com. We'd love to connect with you too, so come be part of our social media community. 
follow the links on our website to our Facebook or Twitter pages where you can add your thoughts to the conversations while filling your news feed with encouragement and useful information. If you're in the area, you're invited to come join us in person at Calvary Chapel Kaneohe for our weekly worship services. We get together every Sunday at 8.30 and 10.45 a.m. or come by on Thursday at 7 p.m. for an in-depth time of Bible study. Directions can be found on our website. Again, that's in spiritandtruthradio.com. If you can't join us in person, we hope you'll find a local church community soon that you can call home. Having a supportive and biblically-based church family is an incredible asset in your faith experience, as well as a place where you can be a blessing to others. That's all the time we have for today. Thanks again for joining us for this edition of In Spirit and Truth. Holy me true to you.